0: This is where we are today. You don't know the ancient population, you don't have the DNA profile exactly, you don't know their exact numbers, you don't know the exact descendants, don't have the exact number of generations, don't know the who married whom, have no don't know the exact descendants, no idea if only direct descendants are here, you don't have the exact DNA profiles either. So this is the model which people have today and it is this model that they are taking Applying mathematics, giving you an answer and claiming to write these global papers with global claims about who came to India at one time frame and where. I hope I have given you a flavor for the mathematical issues and technological issues. I am deconstructing the research methodology and saying there are problems everywhere. You cannot take these results and start doing things. So they use assumed statistical models, assumed parameters, do some curve fitting, there is limited predictability with uh, these things. On the other side, this is the admixture problem. There is one more problem called PCA. PCA is called Principal Component Analysis. In that analysis, what they do is if you have a matrix where this is geographical region 1, region 2, region 3. For example, you start from southern India, say this village, work your way to the north, this village, this village, this village, village by village you go. And you take the different markers, you find out the genetic, uh, profile and say 30% of them are carrying this marker, 20% this marker and so on. You identify these various markers you are carrying and you have a matrix. If you do something called singular value decomposition, how many are engineers here? Ah, Some are engineers. So you might have heard singular value decomposition somewhere in your past. <laughs> Once you do this uh, mathematical algorithm, it gives you a bunch of numbers called principal components. So basically, David Reich is taking the largest principal components P1 and P2 and he's placing these regions over here. Which uh, region, how does it fit in this graph over here? And then he gets a gradient. Based on that gradient, he says the northern Indian population is closer to Central Asia. Southern Indian population is an isolate. Therefore, he got the ANI and the ASI. However, what they have done to get a gradient is in the southern Indian sample they have included the Andamanese. They included the Andaman DNA along with the southern Indian sample so that there is a clustering possible to create an artificial gradient. The Andamanese stopped mixing with the mainstream population 40,000 to 50,000 years ago. Why would you include them in today's narrative of who we are even if you are interested in uh, 5,000 year old data and the shouldn't be there <laughs> they just simply shouldn't be there in the data so you skewed your data skewed the numbers in your matrix so that you'll get a kind of a result that will do what you want to do So whether it is admixture or PCA analysis I am claiming that one has got to do great diligence. Why did you put those numbers? Why did you put the antimonies? Why did you choose a model that is circular in argument? So many questions can be raised. A good peer reviewer would do all of these things. Unfortunately, like I told you, it's a multidisciplinary field. Nobody's got the expertise of the data to span across this. The guy who's an expert in biology has no clue of mathematics. The guy who knows mathematics doesn't know biology. So who's going to peer review these papers? (laughs) So this is the problem. Papers get admitted. There's not sufficient peer review and uh, all kinds of issues happen. To close out this section... I'd like to give you one example that talks about circular logic. This is from a paper in 2015 from uh, California, Berkeley in language. So these people went about to fuse linguistics and genetics. Okay? They wanted to say let's apply our known knowledge of linguistics and known knowledge of genetics and see whether some of our models are fitting including our invasion, all these kind of things. They took a dictionary of 200 words and they did this very strange thing. All these, these are all the various people, you can't read it from there, but uh, trust me, even I can't read it from here. So various people over here and these links over here say how genetically close these people are to these people. So these black bars over here, that is saying how close they are. For example, this is far from here, this is far from here. These are very closely related. So these are ancestral constraints, the clade constraints of the black bars. In addition, they also took time bars, time constraint, time constraint, linguistic model gives you time, how old is Sanskrit, when did it diverge from some other language, so Sanskrit, Vedic Sanskrit, they put here to around uh, 3000 or some such thing, the next closest to that is the Hittites, Hittites are over here, nobody speaks Hittite anymore, ancient Greeks are over here. Assyrians, Tocharian and other languages are here. So they took the time constraints given by linguistic models and they took the genetic constraints given by people like David Reich and others. Then let's say let's now start a mathematical problem trying to see does a model converge and said, aha it converges, it observes closeness to the Steppi hypothesis. Unfortunately, the whole thing is a circular argument. The genetic model is a circular argument, linguistic model is a self-fulfilling circular argument. The whole thing is an exercise in mathematics with no bearing to reality at all. But these papers are published. (laughs) So my conclusion is not changed from last year where I am saying that genetic studies uses preconceived models and markers as constraints. Results are not primary evidence, they can only serve as supporting evidence. One will have to see sensitivity of results to population size, composition and assumptions. Just like I said last year, what will happen if I take a few pieces of data out and put some other pieces of data in, how are your results going to change? As an engineer, that's what I do. When my team comes and tells me that here's a model that is working beautifully, I will do the diligence and say, all right, I'm going to remove this data out, do the studies again. Does a, is the conclusion similar? How robust is your conclusion? If I took this piece of data out and it converged to an entirely different answer, that means your model depends strongly on these few data points. You see what I'm saying? So that is a sensitivity. You need to study sensitivity. Then the composition. What is the composition, am I going to take data from the IT park in Gurgaon or am I going to go and say you better be living the same place as your grandfather for me to take your data. So that one and the size, how many am I going to admit if I am going to talk to the size of the Indian population, am I going to take 1000 Brahmins and about 10 Shudras and something else and say I have got a genetic profile of Indians, it is a problem there too. What percentage are you going to take? Because of endogamy we have got some certain differences in us, so what are you going to take? So, all kinds of issues are there and you need to be careful over there. You need to be careful in attempting to align mathematical numbers alongside a narrative and avoid subjective biases to creep into the result. The reason is like this. Like I said last time, supposing after all this convergence analysis, you go and give the professor all your numbers. I got all these numbers. This person is closely related to this. This one is closely related to that. And the difference between uh, this group of people and this group of people is 0.001. And you say that 0.001 is enough for me to differentiate these populations. Just a number. My question is, how did you calibrate that? Why is 0.001 significant in your data? You need to do talk to me about scaling. You need to talk to me about significance of the numbers before you come and say that this much resolution is enough to say these people are different from that. That is a problem in that ASI-ANI model. You had to put Andamanese people to create an artificial gradient between North Indian and South Indian. If you throw out that uh, Andaman is DNA, there is no genetic difference between the North Indian and South Indian from the supposed pastoral people. <laughs> so you see what I am saying, one has got to be super careful when you do all of these kind of studies. So a good critique is going to go and check all of these things and figure out what is happening before you admit some of these things. Unfortunately in our country the minute a paper comes from Harvard with 90 uh, signatories in the paper or 2000 signatories in the paper it is conflated in the news immediately saying Aryan invasion proven and all these things. How are the journalists equipped to do any of this analysis? (laughs) So we have a very very big problem next time somebody talks about these things I hope you will be able to get out there and uh, rebut on basis of some of these things.